Home has always been a warm and loving place, and that is a great feeling. But I think the one thing that I take away most from my home is that I always felt better for having been there. We found Church of the Palms on Easter Sunday in 1997. My two daughters were four and two years old, and we knew immediately that we had found our church home. But it didn't really become a home until we began showing up. I think we were loved all along. This place is so friendly and outgoing, but we really felt like people knew our story and loved us anyway. I think my hope is for all of us to come back home to Church of the Palms, to show up week after week, to serve, to take advantage of the amazing programs that we have. Because what's true for me, even to this day, even though the pastors have changed, the word is still inspiring. Even though the music directors have changed, the music is still amazing. It's a place where we can do life together. Good morning, and welcome home to Homecoming Sunday. I think you can smell the hamburgers and the hot dogs already wafting in. Stay here until Steve's done preaching, and then we all get to go out there. We're going to greet each other when we go out there, but I want to tell you a couple of things. We are having, as you walk out the door, the, um, our friend who was doing the blood pressure checks, she is doing them under the tree today, so if you want to get that done, you can do that. And then just to the left, Sandy Shockley, who is the director of our preschool, is doing a book fair, so you can order books for your grandchildren or for your kids. Half of what they make from that we get back in books, and Sandy is doing that to give it to Wilkinson School, our uh, ministry partners, and some will stay for the preschool as well. If you don't want to take the time to figure out a book to order, and you just want to write a check, both um, Sarah and Sandy will pick out books for Wilkinson and for the preschool that they will get that, and then they'll also get that 50% to even get more books. So helping kids with that, and otherwise you're going to have a great time out there. I want Connor to give us an update on our rise against hunger. It's going to go on while you're talking. Awesome. So we had our... I'm going to lean in so you can use my mic. No, just kidding. Go ahead. No, still not. It's white. It's a white mic. Does that help? Awesome. So we had our Rise Against Hunger event on Wednesday night. We were so excited for that event. Uh, we had, I believe, the largest participation I think we've ever had. We had over 125 people participate in our Rise Against Hunger again hunger event from set up to tear down. And if you remember, I was mentioning this goal of 15,000 meals, and we packed 25,008 meals, 25,008 wow. meals. And I, I want to say that this is an event where we can have all the resources in the world, but it doesn't make a difference if we don't have the support and the help from our congregation. And it was, I, I personally had a moment in that event of just taking it in and appreciating um, the, 
the, the trueness of the event and the extent of what we got to see, um, you know, a young little three or four year old girl, she was helping move stuff around. And then there was a, another lady who was a little bit older sitting down and sealing bags. And it was really just an event for everybody in the congregation. And we were able to come together and set this incredible goal of, uh, or excuse me, far exceeding the goal that we had set. Um, so thank you so much to the congregation for that because uh, you guys were incredible and such a blessing and uh, we can't wait to do it next year. That's and awesome. We'll, our goal next year will be 25000 We'll have to match it. Of course. Awesome. And I heard that the people that run Rise Up Above Hunger, Rise Against Hunger, mm -hmm. Rise Against didn't show up and so Connor just sort of took care of the whole thing and ran it. So thank you very much. I have a couple of quick announcements. Next Sunday, we are decorating for Christmas, y'all. So if you can stay, I am praying, pray with me, that our Christmas trees show up because we ordered brand new pre-lit Christmas trees. But if you are able to help us, I know the students are always great. We really could use some adult hands in that as well. Um, that would be really great. So next Sunday, right after this service. And then Yoko feeds us pizza and stuff. And if you can stay, we actually help over in the sanctuary as well. Um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we are having our joint service with Temple Sinai. So we go over there at 5 o'clock for the reception. They serve wine in their receptions. Just a little heads up. Don't be late for the reception. And then we worship with our Jewish brothers and sisters. So one year it's at their house, one year it's at our house. So hope you can join for that. Um, Samaritan Counseling, our other great ministry partner, they are doing an online musical event for Advent, and it is the first Sunday in Advent, which is November 28th, and um, a detail, there it is, starts at 5 o'clock. I think there are six different musical um, performances by supporting churches, by supporting partners to Samaritan Counseling. And they're inviting us all to participate in that and to help support that great ministry. We still need additional help in the booth. So if you are willing to serve a couple of hours to help us with sound, camera, running the computers, really um, would appreciate that. Just talk to Matt in the back. Okay, we have some new members joining our church, and this is amazing. First, we have Dave and Lucy Batty. Next, Amanda Hale and her kids, and this is um, Sarah Sobolewski's sister. Next is Grayson, Nathan, and Ashley Lynn. And then we have Ginny and Lou Pavlov. And finally, Nancy and Harry Pelton. Really hope that if you see these wonderful people that you can say hi to them and welcome them. And if you are ever interested in joining or learning about what it means to be a member of Church of the Palms, that just reach out to Pastor Mingy. All right. I'm going to invite my friend Dick Thompson to join me in front of the table. And I think he got a mic handoff from Connor. You did. Excellent. I don't know if you guys remember, but Steve preached a sermon a couple months ago about Ebenezer's. And an Ebenezer is basically a stone altar stacking up stones to give thanks to God for the journey that they have been on, even though the journey is not over yet. So Samuel, Abraham, the people of Israel did this great 
thankfulness to God, and then it was with assurance that God would be with them, that God's presence would be with them for the rest of the journey. If you can't picture it, it's just a pile of rocks. (laughs) So this guy, with his vision and his handiwork, thought, wow, we really need this at Church of the Palms, this darn pandemic, and to give thanks to God for how far God has taken us and to know that God is still with us to the end. So this creation that Dick created. Yes. Yes. It's it's right out there. It's right right out there. By the picnic tables. By the picnic table. You can take your hot dog out there and sit there and admire it. That's right. Just past the bounce house. So that would be great. Now, are you done or you got any more? You you got any more? Is that it? No, I've said too much. (laughs) We are going to do a litany together to dedicate this Ebenezer And it will be on the screen, and you'll know when to join in. Dear friends, it is with humility and thanksgiving that we gather on this homecoming Sunday to remember and reflect upon our season of exile, our season of wandering, and our season of returning. We reflect upon quarantine and separation, hand-washing and mask-wearing, We reflect upon infection rates and vaccines and Zoom calls. We ponder stepping out and finding new ways. And we know that the journey is not over and that many remain vulnerable. For to everything there is a season and time for every matter under heaven. We are grateful to be gathered together to ask the Lord's blessing and to mark with gratitude this passage like our ancestors of long ago who raised stones to remember their journey and to give thanks for having come this far, we raise these stones, O God. We give thanks that through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. We give you thanks for the vision behind this monument, for the hands that gathered these stones, for the work in building this Ebenezer, and for the symbol of what it will mean to future generations. We are grateful, O God, for all the moments and monuments of our lives that cause us to pause and give thanks for your watch over our journey and for the signs of your providential hand upon us. And we pray that as we journey forward, we will do so with the faith to believe that the grace that has led us safe thus far will be the grace that leads us home. In thanksgiving, we consecrate and dedicate this Ebenezer to the glory of God and to the strengthening of God's reign through his church and to the hope that the future lies always within God's hands. Amen. Can we thank Dick for his work? And let's stand and worship God. Worship the God who was, worship the God who is, worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, 
parted the raging sea. But God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Shout your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Shout your praise. Shout your praise. Sing to the God who heals. Sing to the God who saves. Sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause He hung upon that cross, then He rose up from that grave. My God still rolled the stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Shout your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. Shout out your praise. Your faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us past the waters and to mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. 
So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Cause your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Great is your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. So remember. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough. And thou reaches out to us. Your grace is enough for me. is enough I'm covered in your love your grace is enough for me for me
put holy trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, we made strong in the Savior's love through the stone. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. Every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil My anchor holds within the veil Christ alone star.
Um, don't run off too quick, Sherry. If the band would just stay here for just a second, please. And you may have a seat. Thank you so much. We are at that point in our service where we get to worship God with our tithes and our offering. Lots of ways to do it. There are baskets as you leave. Thank you for your generosity and for partnering with us to love God and love neighbor. I was gone for a couple of weeks, just wondering if there were any joys to share from the band. Any at all? Well, I just had a new granddaughter born on Sunday, Isla Ray, in Sarasota Memorial Hospital. And what is her name? Isla Ray. Isla Ray. Yes. And I was thinking for a joy, perhaps we should say, we give you thanks, oh God. We give you thanks, oh God. Anything else? Not yet. <laughs> Patience. Thank you. Any other joys or concerns that you all want to share? No joy in my life. You, oh, you never show any joy at all. No, you look so glum up there. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> Steph, anything your way? I mean, I guess since we're on the topic of having kids, my sister is pregnant. I'm glad it's her and not you, but yes, <laughs> great. Yay. We give you thanks, oh God. Are we doing oh God or oh Lord? What did I say? <laughs> Listen, I can't remember. Okay, thank you guys so much. We'll be praying for you guys. Ooh. So how can we be praying? Your joys and your concerns. And of course, when we have our concerns, we pray what? Lord, hear our prayer. We give you thanks, oh God. We'll try that. All right, how can we be praying? We have mic runners that are going to come up. And they're going to introduce themselves. Next time, just come up and, inter and interrupt me and say, hey, Lori, you need me. Go ahead, dear. Hi. It's green. It's green. Hi. My name's Kayla, and I'm a sophomore at Santa Fe College in Gainesville. Glad you're here, Kayla. And I'm Gianna, and I'm a senior at Venice High School. And they're sisters. And they're going to come give the mic to you if you would like to lift up a joy or a concern. How can we be praying on this day? There we go. Um, my mom is having surgery tomorrow. She's having a tumor removed from her stomach. We, they believe it's benign, but just for prayers for uh, good surgery and a quick recovery. Absolutely. Thanks, Megan. What's your mom's name? Wendy. Wendy. So we'll be praying for Wendy and her surgery that um, she is having and that it is indeed benign. Lord, hear our prayers. As the mic is making its way over there, I learned of a dear friend today who will be having um, bypass surgery coming up in December. So if we could pray for this person, um, that would be really, really, I'd be really grateful. Lord, hear our prayers. We had an incredible turnout last Wednesday, and I know the youth, uh, everyone is going to be announcing it regarding the, the hunger yeah. But please tell me the correct name because I'm always getting it incorrect. What was the name? What did we do last Wednesday when we packed all of the packages for the hunger relief? Did you guys say to other, something? To another country. What's that? Rise Against Hunger? Is Rise that Against oh. Hunger. And we've been able to do it for so many years. Yeah. And it's such an incredible 
fun thing to do. Everyone has a job. It's like a, a really well-run German factory. But um, it's <laughs> like Aldi or, you know. But um, it, just such a blessing to be able to experience that with so many people and to be doing such a good deed and feeding people. You know, it's a, it's a necessary, what is it? Something that we all have to have. Food. Absolutely. Yeah, and to be able you. to share it. Yeah. So thank you all, Church of the Palms, for always having, hosting that event. Excellent. We give you thanks, oh God. That's pretty good. I just want to say it's a joy to be at this church. I can feel it. The energy is really beautiful. We're just happy to be here. Misty and I, I'm Sherilyn. And um, also, I just wanted to praise God for a miracle woman that I just recently met um, that has recovered from leukemia. She's in her 70s. She had a bone marrow transplant, and she was told she had a 30% chance, and she's doing great. So hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sherilyn, thank you so much. We give you thanks, oh, God. Um, one of our really close family friends, she has three young kids, um, has really been struggling with her health the last year, and she just entered hospice. So oh. just prayers for that family. Yeah, thank you. What's her name? Julie. Julie. So we'll be praying for Julie and for all those who are making their way back home to God, and particularly for this young family. Lord, hear our prayers. The Thanksgiving um, holidays are before us, and uh, I just want to wish everyone uh, and everywhere safe journeys yes. and uh, blessings that they can be together and enjoy the uh, Thanksgivings and, and the blessings that we receive throughout the year. Thank you so much that we are grateful for those blessings and those coming together. And can I add that we'll be mindful of those who still cannot get together with loved ones, that we hold both, and maybe that we keep our eyes open to invite someone into our home, um, into our lives for this time that can feel really um, lonely at times too. So for safe journeys, for keeping an eye open for those that we can love and welcome, Lord, hear our prayer. All right. Well, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, it is good to be home. It is good to be in your house, among your people. We are not perfect, but we sure want to be more like you, O oh God. So continue to nudge us, inspire us, encourage us, Empower us to step outside of our comfort zone to offer your love and your light in a world that still desperately needs it. We lift up all those prayers that you heard today and those that are still on our hearts. We give them all to you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think Dale's got our scripture passage for today. Excellent.
My name is Dale Morris, and I'm a senior at Riverview High School. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the word of the Lord. Does he have it on? Just keep... Hello. There we go. I think Lori turned it off. So good to see you all. This is wonderful to have a nice full campus center and a chance to be together to worship. And so to that end, let us pray. Lord, thank you for this. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure glad I'm not a Michigan wide receiver. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, it's so good to be back online here. So in 1945... In the wake of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which marked the end of World War II, an organization was formed of atomic scientists called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, whose purpose it was to assess the state of the world now that the technology of atomic weaponry had been unleashed. At what risk was the world, given the ability that nations would have to destroy now large swaths of human population and, in turn, our entire ecosystem? And in 1947, they began to publish a doomsday clock. 
You may have heard of this. Every couple of years, they assess the risk of the world doing cataclysmic damage to itself through things like atomic weaponry, bioterrorism, climate change, cyberterrorism, and then they symbolize for us through a clock how vulnerable we are to something cataclysmic occurring. How far away are we each year to doomsday? 1947, they determined that our risk level put us seven minutes away from midnight. Seven minutes away from doomsday. Since then, the clock has changed for better and for worse. Our best years were 1963 and 1972, when we were, according to these scientists, 12 minutes away from doomsday. Our worst year was this last year, where we were supposed to be one minute and 40 seconds away from doomsday. Now again, the doomsday clock is not a literal clock, and the world is likely not to implode in the next 100 seconds, but it is a warning sign as to how we put ourselves, how close we put ourselves with our scientific advancement to having that science turn against us. Now at this point you're saying to yourself, boy, if this is how the sermon's getting started, I can't wait to see how it ends or I can't wait for it to end, or turn off the microphone, please. Now the truth is, I tend to be somewhat of an optimist. I generally am a glass half full kind of guy. So in the face of doomsday clocks, I would tend to be the person who would point out all the good things that are afoot, how science is helping us to counter all the dangers of the world, alternative energy sources, advanced fail-safes, efficient delivery systems, the development of vaccines at warp speed. To every point, right, there is a counterpoint. Hegel's dialectic. Every thesis has its antithesis that produces a synthesis. Well, nevertheless, it does not take away the fact that the world can be a vulnerable and dangerous place. Life is filled with risk. It may be that the globe may not look like it's changing from one moment to the next, but your life and mine can change in a heartbeat. Just this week, I passed, just this week, I passed through three different intersections where minutes, if not seconds before, cars had collided. Life changes that fast. And we are all at some level vulnerable, which makes us susceptible to the power of fear, especially in this information age when we get to hear almost hourly about how bad things are. One half hour on social media or cable news and pretty much the world is going to end. Did you know that if this happens or if these people win or if these people stay in power, the world is going to end. Did you know that there is some man-eating virus out there that's going to eat us? There is not such a virus. Did you know that the house down the street was broken into? Did you know that there is a meteor hurtling to the earth? It's always something, and it always plays to our fears. Of course the world is going to change. That's what the world has done from the very beginning. Change, 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 which doesn't mean that the world is going to end. Maybe that's what Jesus was pointing out in his visit to Jerusalem. A visitor to Jerusalem in Jesus' day would be somewhat overwhelmed and impressed by this amazing structure serving as a gateway to the city, the temple. Often known as the Herodian Temple, it was constructed by King Herod for the Jews and was one of the architectural wonders of the world. Its foundation stones, get this, its foundation stones were 40 feet long, which is about from here to the doors going outside, and each weighed 
150 tons. One stone among scores of stones that served as the foundation of the temple. This building was going nowhere, even stronger than some of the foundations in your homes. So imagine the surprise on the faces of the disciples when after marveling over this incredible architectural and holy edifice, Jesus says, oh, and there will be a day when all this will be in ruins, when the walls will tumble, when the world as you know it will fall apart. In other words, nothing is forever, and even the most permanent things are vulnerable to change. And sure enough, 40 years later, the Roman troops march into Palestine and lay siege to the city and tear the temple down, 250-ton blocks and all. And to imagine that in Jesus' day and to experience it in 70 AD was to think that the world was coming to an end. But Jesus says, don't you believe it. Things will happen. Bad things will happen. And it will seem like the world is going to end. But don't you believe it. In fact, Jesus says, these events are something entirely different. He calls them birth pangs. He calls them Labor pains. In other words, with all the bad things that could happen in the world, it's just that the world is giving birth to something new. In other words, you will always be distracted by doomsday clocks. You will always be occupied by cataclysmic headlines. You will always be drowned out by the prophets of doom. But don't you believe it because you are giving a new birth. The kingdoms around you may be falling, but the kingdom of God within you will prevail. It may be one minute to midnight on some clock somewhere, but you're looking at the wrong clock. Because you're building, you are building another kingdom. You are building another temple. And it starts within you and it expands from within you. In other words, we get to be the ones to save the world. We get to be the Marvel comic heroes. We get to be the chosen ones whose mission it is not to let the danger distract us, but to let the Spirit of Christ direct us to bring about the kingdom of God. A lot of people think the world's going to hell, but we're in the business of getting heaven into the world. And it makes me think of Chesley B. Sullenberger, You remember Chesley B. Sullenberger, Sully Sullenberger, the U.S. Airways pilot whose plane, upon takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, flew into a flock of geese that took out both engines of his aircraft. Instantly, his plane became became a several-ton glider. Instantly, the world was coming to an end for 155 persons on that plane, not to mention thousands and thousands below on the ground. Instantly, the doomsday clock began ticking to midnight, and two people, a pilot and co-pilot, had not a second to be distracted by the peril, not a second to be overcome by the danger and the risk and the vulnerability. Their only job was to land the plane safely. There were no commentaries to be made. There were no editorials to read. One job, land the plane safely. They had three and a half minutes to save the world. And in three and a half minutes, they glided their glider upon the Hudson River safe landing. 
And that's not even the end of the story because the story is also about these human beings, these boat owners and ferry pilots who see a plane has just landed in the Hudson River right in front of them. And they now have minutes before the world is going to end for those scores of people who are now within their sight. So what do they do? Do they debate? Do they check the weather conditions? Do they check Wikipedia on air water rescues? No, they do what is inside them. They rescue. They pilot their boats to the wreck. They throw lifelines. They dive into the freezing river because the failed engines and the ditched plane is not going to be the end of the story. And don't you wonder if the end or the beginning of the world has a lot to do with where you and I think we're sitting in the plane. Because I think a lot of us, and often this is true for me, is that I think I'm just a passenger. I think if I look out the window and see danger, all I can do is just brace for impact. All I can do is yell and panic. All I can do is complain about the bozos in Congress. All I can do is, is say the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But, but that's not where Jesus' followers sit. Jesus' followers sit in the cockpit. They sit behind the stick. They command the plane. They are responsible for the passengers. They have one mission, to land the plane safely, to bring all the souls home for the night. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, our job is to bring about the kingdom. To be about the works of God, to do justice, and to love mercy. The Presbyterian Church in the New World of what would become the United States was founded in 1706. 1706, 70 years before the Declaration of Independence. And over its 315 years, the church has seen a political revolution, a war of independence, a constitutional convention, a civil war over race and states' rights, economic collapse, several economic depressions, pandemic, world war, another world war, civil rights, Vietnam, the resignation of a president, schisms in our own body, 9-11, and another pandemic. We've had enough in our history to turn the greatest optimist into chicken little. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Tis grace has brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us home. So I love the Ebenezer that we dedicated today. A testimony not only to our gratitude for how far we've come during this pandemic, but a testimony to what God has allowed us to do during the danger. The world was falling apart, but on this campus, hungry people were being fed, children were being taught, people were being counseled, the Lord's praises were being sung, the kingdom of God was being built brick by brick. Those Ebenezer stones may not be 250 tons, but they point to something even stronger, the spirit of Christ, whose kingdom will never fail. Makes me think of the essay C.S. Lewis wrote a year after the Doomsday Clock appeared, 1948. And back then, boy, the atomic bomb was, was a real thing. And in it, he wondered about what are we to do in the wake of such potential disaster like an atomic bomb, and wrote Lewis this. It is our business to live by our own law and not by fear. 
to follow in private or in public life the law of love and temperance, even when they seem to be suicidal, and not the law of competition and grab, even when they seem to be necessary to our own survival. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, well, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. When the world appears to be ending, our job is to land the plane. Which brings to mind the Portuguese diplomat Aristides de Sousa Mendes, who served as consul for the Portuguese government in the Bordeaux region of France. Tough posting. The Bordeaux region of France. You wine lovers love the Bordeaux region of France. Unless, of course, it is the early 1940s and the world in Bordeaux, France is coming to an end. And the Nazis have invaded and Jewish refugees are pouring into Bordeaux with the hope that they can continue on to find a safe refuge from a collapsing world. And the Portuguese government insists that no refugees be allowed to cross the border. No visas shall be issued. But you are Aristides de Sousa Mendes, and you have been given the right to grant visas. You are behind the stick you have the opportunity to defy government orders, and you are a good Roman Catholic. You are a Jesus follower, and it's your mission to land the plane. It's your mission to save the souls who are in your cabin, to live by your own law and not by fear. So without respect to race, creed, and citizenship, de Sousa Mendez starts handing out visas. To anyone who wants one, he gives one. In breakneck speed, because doomsday is ticking closer and closer, he writes, writes and stamps hundreds and thousands of visas before his government can arrest him. And arrest him they do. But not before 10 maybe 20,000 desperate refugees passed to safety. When the world appears to be ending, our job is to land the plane. They say that one of the greatest factors behind the meteoric rise of the Christian church under the oppressive persecution of the Roman Empire was what the Christians were doing amidst the Roman pandemics. And there were several. While the government fled the victims, the followers of Jesus took in the victims. Something very compelling about that. So we're home today, aren't we, on this homecoming Sunday. And we return to campus in body and in digital spirit. And we rejoice, of course, in our connection. And we rejoice in our family. We rejoice in our temple. And we've all learned these last couple of years how things can so quickly change and how quickly it can feel like the world is falling apart. But don't you believe it. For we are the followers of Jesus. We are behind the stick and we are responsible for all the passengers. 
And there's only one thing for us to do. Remembering the mission, ignoring the danger, land the plane safely. Let us pray. By your grace, O Lord, we are here thus far. And by your grace, we will continue our journey. And we thank you, O Lord, that you have placed us in the cockpit. You have put us behind the stick. You have given us the responsibility to take care of everybody in the cabin and to land the plane safely. So bless us, O Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Inspire us to do the acts of God and to love justice and to be about mercy. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Grace that taught my heart to feel, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Promise good to me His word my hope secures He will my shield and portion be As long as life endures My chains are gone been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set free, my God, 
benediction. I hope to see you all in the line for hamburgers and hot dogs and pie and ordering books. And as I was listening to Steve's sermon the second time, right, like we're going to land that plane, which means that we are responsible for everyone, and it's our job to take a bit of heaven out there. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.